Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to another week of the Beers and Bible podcast. Uh, we're happy to be with you. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. And how's your day been, man? Dude, it's been good. It's been a long week, I guess. Um, you too, huh? Yeah, just kind of getting in the, you know, staying in the swing of things. Um, we got a fun weekend planned. I think we're going to go out on the lake maybe if it doesn't rain. And um, nice. I'm taking a day, day off early next week just to get some time off. Actually, my son's school is closed on Monday for some closed. some reason. He, he's three years old, but his daycare is closed for... Coronavirus? Um, no. <laughs> not that. Not not yet, anyway. Um, no. Uh, we're just. I'm just going to take the day off and hang out with him, and we're going to... I don't know what we're going to do yet, but I'm nice. sure I'll have a list of things to do around the house, but that's okay. <laughs> got some, How about got you? Some How's your week been? Yeah. Man, uh, it, it was a good week. You know, it was... Uh, it's Thursday, and so I was I was kind of pumped about today going just you know one more day before Friday and the weekend. So I went into work all ready to go, and uh, I got to work and just the wheels came off and the car flipped and it was it was just a train wreck of a day. So I'm uh, I'm actually glad to be sitting down and and talking about the Bible and drinking some beer tonight because I need at least one. Probably gonna have two if this one's pretty good. I got a fun beer tonight too. So if I'm it's not good, it. I mean, you've got a you've got a new toy in your office, Dude, so you can. Yes, I did. That did get that. So I got a uh, I got a Tommy Boy fridge in mm-hmm. my in my office here this week. It holds soda. I mean beer. Um, I stocked it full of beer and cold glasses, and I could not be happier about something in my life than getting a used mini fridge in my office so that I can keep beer right beside my desk. Yep. I mean, my beer is not right beside my desk, but it's pretty darn close. And now that I'm yeah. thinking about it, I'm I may consider moving it. I don't know, but <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I've, I I kind of like how I've got things set up right now. So yes. Um. So anything? Let's get into our yes. beer review tonight. Uh, what do are it. you drinking? So I have gone back to one of my favorite stores that I don't get to go to very often. Um. Uh, locally here called Cottage Hill Package. And they have a great selection of beer. And yes, I'm going to tag them in this post and and all this stuff. But I have the Hazy Pebbles Fruity Hazy Milkshake IPA. That is a lot going on there. (laughs) There's a lot going on. Uh, This is from Stevens Point Brewing in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And I think you have to say it every time like that. Wisconsin, yeah. Um, but this thing comes in at 6.2 ABV, only 32 IBUs. This is a limited release. They only do this. Uh, I was trying to find out when they did it, um, but it doesn't tell me. Certain, certain things they only brew certain times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a fruit-infused hazy IPA with colorful pineapple, sweet raspberry, and a little lactose for that milkshaky mouthfeel. It's boozy breakfast. Is what they say. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so this is this is uh, coming on the heels of your cereal for dinner from Edmund Ost mm-hmm. Brewing last week, um, and I, I saw it and I was like, oh, I bet that would be similar to it. So I'm going to get that one. Um, so that's what I've got. Hazy Pebbles from Stevens Point Brewing. What do you have to drink tonight? So tonight I've gone back to um, a brewer we've had uh, before, Duclaw Brewing. They're based there in. Uh, Rosedale, Maryland. Um, yep. I have, and this may be the funniest name yes. of a beer that we've had so far <laughs> on the podcast. I have the Sour Me Unicorn Farts Glittered <laughs> Sour Ale. Um, dude, the, the can is a unicorn fart in a rainbow. It's, it's amazing. Which, nothing is better than that, for the record. Well, 
yet to be determined. So anyway, <laughs> um, this thing is a 5.5 ABV, um, 10 IBUs. Um, it's a glittered sour ale brewed with cherries, tangerines, and limes. Fruity pebbles added into the mash and finished off with a sprinkle of natural mineral-based edible glitter. So, well, <laughs> this is okay, this man. is like bougie, man. We we keep coming back to that bougie thing. Um, <laughs> so on Untapped, it's like almost got four out of five on its ratings, um, and I mean it looks like a pretty standard sour. So, well, sours are your thing. We've decided they um, are. I, yes, I will say this. So I did the sour last week, and. I drank all the rest. I drank all six of them throughout this week, and they moderately grew on me mm. by by the by the sixth one. So there there may be some barriers and walls coming down here. Um, I drank um, I drank another one of the red and black sours that I had a few weeks ago tonight, mm-hmm. and um, that thing is still still pretty good. <laughs> so nice. Um, well. There's only one way to find out how good this stuff is, and that's to crack them open and drink them. Let's do it. So let's do it. I'm going to get my – I've got a bottle this week, so. Are you sure it's not a twist-off? It looks like a twist-off, but I'm still going to pop it off no matter what. Okay, so. well, hope there it doesn't we break your beer. So. hope it doesn't break up. So here we go. Three, two, one, crack. It is definitely a twist-off for sure. Oh, that's a very unique smell. Let's see how this thing. Oh, oh, oh my! So I bought this one and I, I put it in the fridge. And the first thing my wife does is comes to me and says, "Did you buy a fruity pebbles beer?" <laughs> and I was like, "Maybe." She's like, "I want to try it." And I was like, "Well, go get one." I'm not going to try it until we have the podcast, but you can go get one. Just don't tell me how it is. This is this is either going to be really good or not good at all. I have a feeling it's going to be pretty good. Isn't that typically how it goes? It's either very good, kind of mediocre, or not good at all? Basically. So... My thing is pretty hazy, also. It is, yes, it is. It's got like. Can really you see the glitter big, in it? It's got big chunks of something in there. I don't know if that's glitter or if that's Dude, just like. That is literally the unicorn fart right there. Dude, it may be more than a fart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man! Well, there's only one way to find out how good they are, and that's to turn them up and drink them. So let's do it. Let's go. Bottoms up. That is weird. <laughs> can you taste the glitter? No, but I can taste the fruity pebbles. Oh wow! They so the website says they added fruity pebbles to the mash. Mm-hmm. I can taste it, and fruity pebbles isn't like a strong flavored no. thing at all. Oh, hang on a second. Your cat kind of trying to play us a ditty. Yeah. All right, I might cut that. <laughs> she was amazing. literally up there like quack quack quack. That's amazing. Maybe I'll leave that in there. Uh, okay. So back to fruity pebbles here. Um, so yours is made with fruity pebbles. Mm-hmm. Mine just has the. It doesn't say it was made with fruity pebbles, but it definitely hints that it was made like and similar to fruity pebbles let's see here hazy pebbles let's see if there's something on online that um it does say toy not included fruit infused yeah it, just but it doesn't says actually hazy. say anything about fruity pebbles the, the, no. the cereal that may be how they get away from licensing it <laughs> So, well, according to Dewclaw's website, they actually used Fruity Pebbles cereal. So, there you go. All right. You want to oh. go first or you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go. 
Um, Do it. This thing is really good. Um, it, the all the it, the um, flavor profile of cherries, tangerines, limes, and then also fruity pebbles, which is nuts. That is <laughs> like breaking my brain a little bit. Yes. Um, um, it's tart, but also has a sweetness from the cereal, mm-hmm. which which is really interesting and unique, but it's also very good. Yep. Um, I hate to do it again, but I think I have to give it five. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think I have to give this thing five Luthers. It's that good. Um, nice. And it's, uh, it's unique. The flavors are like the, mm-hmm. the combination of those tart fruits, tangerines and limes and cherries with a sweet cereal like Fruity Pebbles. Right. Um, can't really taste the glitter. I don't know what that's about, but um, <laughs> all in all, very good. Dewclaw, well done. Um, I look back and I look back through it. This is like the fifth Dewclaw that we've done, or that you know, yeah, we, one of us. We've has done, done several so, of those. Um, this is pretty good. Five out of five. Five out of five Luthers there. For Duclaw, yeah, Duclaw was the one who did the. Uh, They're dirty little freak. Yeah, sweet strawberry baby letter twenty three. Yep, they have one that's like a sweet baby Java mm-hmm. that we that I keep seeing, but I've never tried. So because we've we've done a lot of Duclaws, mm-hmm. yeah, but this is um, very good. I'm pleasantly, I mean, not surprised, but satisfied. Let's go with that. Yeah. Well, there you go. What so, about, what about you? How are the hazy pebbles? The hazy pebbles. Um. So this is. Uh, this is definitely an IPA, and it definitely has that bitter aftertaste that an IPA has that some people either you either love it or hate it. Um, I typically don't like it that much. But the flavor of this, I can definitely get the Fruity Pebbles flavor in this beer, too. So mm. if that's what they're going for, even if they didn't come out and say it, uh, they definitely nailed that Fruity Pebbles taste. Um, it is definitely, they said, uh, they said it was... Uh, it's boozy breakfast for the crafty kid in you. Hmm. I, I I could drink this for breakfast. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I wouldn't drink beer with breakfast, man. No, I drink beer for breakfast. No, I wouldn't do that either. That's a good way to have your wife reach out to Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> That's true. Only do that on Saturdays. Um, but no, this is... Okay, so it's an IPA, and I'm not a huge fan of IPAs. But it does have good flavor. The the one thing I don't like is is the IPA kind of aftertaste. Yeah. Um, that's an texture. That's an off-putting flavor altogether, though. Yeah. For a lot of people, it is. And that's why a lot of people don't like IPAs. But um, the flavor of it is good. The texture of it is really good. And so even though this is an IPA, I'm still going to come in and give this four Luthers. Okay. Um, normally, I wouldn't rate an IPA anything higher than like three or maybe three and a half if mm-hmm. it was really good. Um, but this one's, it's, it's just a, it's a little bit over what I would consider to be a good IPA. Right. Um, and so I'm going to give it four Luthers. Um, the, the flavor is there. The texture is good. Um, I, it's just, it's just got an overall well-rounded beer. Yeah. And so. as, as we've established, I think four is kind of the max that either of us is ever going to give an IPA. Yeah. So this IPA gets the... Max score from the Beers and Bible <laughs> podcast that an IPA can get. Max IPA level. Yeah. I mean, it would have to be a very, very, very good IPA to get anything yeah. higher than four from either of us. So, yep. So, well, there you go. There's some, uh, there's some Fruity Pebbles ish beers. One of them actually made with Fruity Pebbles and unicorn farts and glitter. And, um, I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. As you were reading that, mm-hmm. my, my only thought was, this is like a homosexual man's dream beer, is what this is. Well, it's got glitter and unicorn farts, and <laughs> I can assure you that that is not my <laughs> definition of what this thing is. What this thing is. I mean, you, you got to admit when you're reading that description that that's what okay, you think. Okay, I of. see what you're. I see what you're saying, but if you can get past that, if you can get past you that get past part that. of it, then it's a good beer. There you go. There you go. So there's a couple of beers. Um, there's some review, some good reviews. Uh, 
congratulations, Point Beer, on a good one. Uh, congratulations, Duke Law, on five Luthers from your uh, Sour Me Unicorn Farts. I just like saying the name of that beer. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's fun funny, to say. man. So, well, tonight we are going to wrap up. We're going to finish all of First Peter tonight. We're going to do the entire Chapter 5. And and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a four-and-a-half-hour-long podcast. And you are exactly wrong. Um, It'll only be it's, four hours. <laughs> it's only going to be four hours and 22 minutes. So there you go. Ha. Um, no, it's uh, we're going to wrap up Chapter 5. Chapter 5 is really kind of simple. It's really just kind of a instruction chapter um talking about the church and and so we're going to get into some discussion about the church tonight we've we've kind of done that before here on the podcast talked about a lot of stuff and uh, so yeah stick around we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back Welcome back uh, to episode 91 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. Uh, as Anthony said, we're going to finish up First Peter tonight. What, what? Um, we're going to finish out uh, all of chapter 5, and it's really a uh, just kind of a an overview of what Peter's already talked about in the first four chapters here. And um, But there is some good, good insights that he gives here, so... Um, if you have your copy of God's Word, um, let's turn to First Peter chapter five, and we're going to read all of uh, all of it, verses one through fourteen. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard, and here's what the Word of God says: Therefore, as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of the Messiah, and also a participant in the glory about to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd God's flock among you not overseeing out of compulsion, but freely, according to God's will, not for the money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you younger men be subject to the elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on him, because he cares about you. Be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him and be firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Now the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little. The dominion belongs to him forever. Amen. I have written you this brief letter through Silvanus. I know him to be a faithful brother. To encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Take your stand in it. The church in Babylon, also chosen, sends you greetings, as does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Nothing like closing out with a peace out. It's, he kind of, he, it's kind of a <laughs> mic drop. He's like, I've said what I've said. Deuces <laughs> until I write the second letter. That's right. Until the next letter. <laughs> until second Peter. <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, I'm here again. Um, but, no, this is, uh, this is a pretty straightforward. There, there's not a lot as far as, like, you have to unpack these deep meanings and stuff in, in this chapter, which kind of is what makes it makes it simple. For once, um, Peter is straightforward. <laughs> There's been some times where Peter's been like out in left field on some things, and you're trying to there's decipher. Some, there, there's some um, discernment that has to be used. You're, you're looking for the decoder ring. 
Yeah. So that you can figure out what's going I've on. I mailed in my box tops and I'm waiting for that thing to come in the mail. <laughs> oh, thank you, Christmas story. Such a great movie. Uh, um No, so so he's rolling from chapter five chapter I'm sorry, chapter four, and he immediately starts addressing people in the church. Mm-hmm. And he he opens the chapter up with an exhortation to the elders of the church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think I think the first thing we need to, to kind of lay down is what is an elder in the church? You know, a lot of churches don't have elders. They only have deacons or they only have pastors or they only, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's not an office in, in many of our churches for elders. Mm-hmm. So what is an elder? What does an elder do? Right. Um, I think it's important to, to understand that the church that we see today, the church that America, specifically America, perceives today is not anything like what the church was in in Peter's day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you have deacons in New Testament time, you have elders in New Testament time, um, but they serve completely different roles. They serve completely different functions. Uh, Peter here says, you know, in verse, uh, I guess it's verse 2, that they should not do this for shameful gain. He's talking about elders. And he says they shouldn't do it for shameful gain. We're going to talk about this here in just a little bit, but I think it's pretty clear that he, there was there was some type of compensation for elders, mm-hmm. and so these are similar to, equivalent to, close to, analogous to. I'm trying to as many words as possible. Mm-hmm. What we would call pastors. Okay. Um, you know, I I think I would go out on a limb, and and there's probably a lot of people who disagree with me, but I think the American church specifically has kind of thrown caution to the wind in use of the word pastor. Yeah. We um, Anthony have I have Anthony have I have talked about this not on this podcast, but <laughs> um there has been a like a watering down of the term pastor yes. in a, in a lot of churches. Um especially I mean I hate I hate to say it but especially in ones that we have been a part of. Um yeah. and, and it's not to degrade or say anything bad about the people who are titled pastors Mm -hmm. but it's not the same role as it was in peter's time yeah it's you know when, when you talk about elders you talked about people who really devoted themselves to the church now they may have also had different jobs they may have done other things as well mm-hmm. you know if they're not getting paid fully by the church well they've got to do something to make a living mm-hmm. um and so you know i honestly like when i look at small country churches and bivocational pastors i think that's probably the closest you're going to get to to a real analogy like an an, an apples to apples comparison is you've got because i mean even paul Paul, the guy who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, had a secondary job as yeah. a tent maker. Yeah, and so you know, if if Paul can't pay his bills without doing a second job, then I think it's safe to say that the majority of these local, very small congregational type of pastors and elders, leaders of the church, mm-hmm. probably didn't make enough money to do that either. Right. You know, they're taking up collections for Paul. And so, you know, they're splitting the money between really the other leaders in the church and Paul. There's just there's just not a whole lot to go around, you know. Mm-hmm. Paul's getting these collections from multiple churches. They're only one church. Paul still has to have a second job. And so you, you, you get what I'm driving at there. But yeah. um and an elder is this this servant type of leader. They make decisions for the church. They lead the church. They they shepherd. I mean, he starts off right there in verse two, um, which I'm I'm going to read my verse two out of the ESV verses two and three, and I want you to read your two and three after I read mine because okay. the the wording of them was was it's almost the same, but it's just different enough that that I want you to to see the difference between them. So my verse two starts. Um, Shepherding the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not in compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. 
That's mm. what my two and three says. Read your two and three one more time. So I guess mine just broke it down and made it like words that people know. Um, <laughs> um, shepherd God, uh, verse uh, two, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but freely according to God's will, not for the money, but eagerly, not mm-hmm. lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Yes. So th- both of these capture the same thought, the same essence, but the wording of them gives you a kind of more robust understanding of what mm-hmm. they're saying. You know, yeah. I think mine said not domineering over them and, and yeah. you're said and mine, uh, uh, not overseeing. Not yeah. Or not lording over them. Not I think lording. What, in verse three. Yeah. Are you talking yeah, about verse three? three. Yeah, nor, yeah, not lording it over those entrusted yeah, to you. But being an example. So mm-hmm. so you you have these three comparisons and we're gonna break these kind of three comparisons down here as we work through this. But mm-hmm. This is what this is how elders shepherd the flock. The the very first one that he says is my, the way ESV says not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're a pastor and you feel like you're you're compelled to do something and 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 understand. I mean, I think it's okay to say you have a calling to be a pastor, mm-hmm. but but you're somebody should not be trying to convince you that you're you're a pastor. Yeah. You know. Um, that is a role that should be taken so seriously that it is only the individual who is called to be a pastor. Yeah. Who can, who has a say in whether or not he is, he is a pastor. Yeah. If you can't, if you can't get up on your worst day of ministry and say, I know I'm called to do this. I'm going to be glad. I'm going to rejoice in this day that God has given me. I'm going to go in and I'm going to serve the people of God to the best uh, best of the ability that God has given me today. Mm-hmm. Then then either I, I want to encourage pastors here, either you need to check your calling or you need to just check the status of your heart right right at that moment. Mm. Because because it it should even when it's hard and even when it's the people are terrible and trust me Church people are the worst people. I, I, you know, I've worked for churches for thirty years almost now. You know, mm-hmm. and and I I understand people complain about the dumbest stuff. You know, I cannot believe you put green pews in our church with green carpet. I cannot believe you did that. What? What in the world? I thought we were talking about something serious here, and you're talking about the color of the pews. Yeah, you know. I cannot believe that you let that those people sit in my seat that we tithe for. Every, you know, you, you want to look at people sometimes, just be like, "What in the world are you even talking about?" Right. Um, but it, but again, if you can't do that job willingly on a daily basis, then then check your calling. Check yeah. check what you're called to do by God. Mm-hmm. Um, because this position of an elder or a leader is not something that is forced. It's not something that, that you are forced into. It's something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because the demands of ministry are, are incredible. Yeah. Just, you know, just ministry by itself. But yeah. then you tack on all the other stuff. And, yeah. and, and so it has to be something that you want to do. Yeah. Um, I've got the list from uh, first Timothy three pulled up here. If you do want it, to go through it. the demands here. So, um, so we're talking about the demands of, uh, of being an elder, um, and and here's just a few of them, I guess. If we want to start in First Timothy three, um, uh, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, an able teacher, not addicted to wine, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy, one who manages his own household competently, having his children under control with all dignity. Um, he must not be a new convert. Uh, or he might become conceited and fall into the condemnation of the devil. He must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he doesn't fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Um, and then similar uh, qualifications for deacons as well. So um, that's like a pretty challenging list, not just for like being a church leader or an elder, just for being a man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, just take just take the the you know, whether you're in ministry or not out of it, but like, are you above reproach? Are you self-controlled, yeah. sensible, respectable, hospitable, able teacher? Like, are you all these things? Yeah. 
Um, and you know, in your whether or not you're in ministry, I, I think that's a good gut check, really. Oh yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, and you know, I don't, I don't really want to dive too far into the the complementarian versus egalitarian, which is you know only men pastors and elders versus men and women pastors and elders. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I heard I heard a lady say one time. She was they, she was doing a panel about this and and they were you know they basically pointed to First Timothy two and three and said how can you say that a that a woman can serve in any of those capacities and and she I mean she looked back at him she says I'm not saying that a woman should serve in any of those capacities what I'm saying is we need to be better at holding the men accountable to the regulations of those capacities. Mm-hmm. And, and she says, if we were more interested or if we were interested at all in holding the men that hold leadership to that standard, we probably wouldn't be having this discussion right now. Mm. And, and, and she, was, I, she was spot on. You know, how many times do we let things fly or pass because we're friends with a person or we like the person or, you know, they're, they're this type of leader, so we let this other thing slide, yeah. you know? Uh, they're a they're a dynamic preacher, so we let the fact that they're uh, overbearing and misogynistic, and they you know their kids hate coming to you know hate hate them, and they're you know list all of your red flags. We let all that other stuff slide because he's a such a great dynamic preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's it's it, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but the 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 list we just were going through right here in First Timothy is not like a if he's got two of them he's okay or yeah. like 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 <laughs> if you're a church leader if you're a pastor all of these should be evident in your life yeah. so yeah the this is the list you either meet it or you don't it's a hundred percent or zero percent yeah mm-hmm. you know and and we've gotten so used to being like oh well he's like 80 percent of that so he's doing pretty good you know 80 percent um, is failure in this in this capacity <laughs> yes it is so you shouldn't be you shouldn't be in this role as an elder or a, or a leader under compulsion, and you should also not be in it for shameful gain, mm-hmm. um, which which uh, is is clearly you know Joel Osteen buying a Ferrari a couple of weeks ago. You know I, I I've had this discussion with a couple of people, and I will slightly defend Joel Osteen in this, and 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 please don't hear this as any type of endorsement of Joel Osteen at all. Because mm-hmm. it's not, and and I think he's terrible, and I think he has heretical doctrine, and no, but to to my knowledge, I may be wrong. Joe Osteen does not take a salary from his church. He is not paid by his church. The major, the vast majority of the money that he makes is come from book sales, and so if that's true, then he's not. I mean, he's not making shameful gain off of his church now. Mm-hmm. You can argue that he's making shameful gain off of his terrible theology and pushing books, and and yes, I will support you in all of that. But he's not making terrible gain off of being an elder of his church, mm-hmm. and yeah. so I you mean, know. and also too, we're not talking about like if your pastor has nice things, then shame on him. Like, yeah, that's not like there's nothing wrong with a pastor having a nice home or a nice car or whatever. Um, it's when the pursuit of those things becomes more important than the, than the ministry when when they are, you know, constantly getting new cars or better, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I keep harping on cars because that's, that's the thing, but (laughs) that's the easiest um, thing to pick. But that's the, I mean, it really is. That's the status symbol. Like, yeah, the, of not just pastors, but people in general, if you, yeah, you, yeah. I remember I remember a couple of couple of months ago there was this thing about John MacArthur and his like ridiculously wealthy lifestyle and all this kind of stuff and they they talked about how he made, you know, four hundred or five hundred thousand dollars annually from this radio ministry that is not a part of his church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he made a two hundred thousand dollar salary from his church. I'm like, okay. Well let's you know, let's look into this. Okay, so John MacArthur lives in Southern California, one of the most expensive places in the world to live. Yep. Uh, definitely in the United States to live. Um, and he owns like, I mean, it's like a $3 million home or something like that. And, yeah. and okay, 
So I'm in lower Alabama. A $3 million home here is like you have 100 acres and you have a 20,000-square-foot house. That's a $3 million home. Well, a $3 million home in Southern California is like, oh, you have a four-bedroom, two-bath, 2,500-square-foot house with a pool. Like, I mean – that that's like my house minus the pool. You know? Yeah, it, it's you're comparing two different two different areas, yeah. but you're trying to compare in the same way, and that just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so, you know, does John MacArthur make a million dollars a year? Probably. Is again, he gets book sales, he gets royalties from those book sales. It's okay for him to own nice things. If John MacArthur went out and bought a hundred thousand dollar car, okay, the dude has written like and sold like. 100 bajillion books. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> he, I'm pretty sure he's outsold Osteen like two to one over right. his lifetime. And and so I'm not worried about it. You right. know, he, he gets paid for all that work that he's done. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, too. Like, these guys are being paid for work that they are doing. Yeah. It's not... And, and is there some pursuit of financial gain or whatever there? Who am I to judge? Um, but the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. The Bible no. does say that the love of money is the root of all evil. Yes, and the in that you could throw in there the pursuit of money. You could you know mm-hmm. the the longing for more, like never being satisfied with what you have, and yeah. um, and I think that's what Peter's saying here. That if a pastor is if a pastor is in his role solely for Mm-hmm. the financial benefits of it. Yeah. Then he's not there for the right reasons. Yeah. And, I, and I would challenge that any church staff member who yeah. is there for any reason or, other than serving. Yeah. Or if he's using his office for his own financial benefit. You know, I, I've known pastors that, that have not had terribly nice things, but you go out to, you know, you go out to a restaurant, they want you to pay because they're just a poor pastor. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you're going to buy something. Well, they, they want a piece of that because they're just a poor pastor. Yeah. You know, and and when you when you extort people like that, and, and yes, I use that strong word on purpose. When you extort people like that, mm-hmm. you're not pastoring. You're using people in your flock for your own personal financial benefit. That's manipulation. You know, it's, exa- it's manipulation. It's exactly what it is. And so, no, number one, we're not saying that the extreme of having tons of stuff is bad. And we're also saying that being poor yet manipulating people is also just as bad on, on both ends of the, the right. spectrum here. So uh, you're, you're the, the pastor that you were just describing the intentionally poor, whatever yeah. pastor is no different than. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. we, we, we yeah. cover that. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. So, you're you're not for shame you shouldn't be for shameful gain and then the the last thing that peter points out here is that you're not domineering and i mean if we've hammered home any point in all of first peter it's that christians and then specifically elders and leaders in the church mm-hmm. should be known by their humility yeah they should you know we we've talked about this theology of suffering we've talked about how we need to develop our theology of suffering as christians we need to understand what it means to have a theology of suffering and that fits right into this because if you have this theology that says, "I am prepared for the bad things that are going to come at me," then you you carry yourself in a mentality that says, "I'm not going to use people for my personal gain," right? Which is what domineering is. Yeah, you know, you're manipulating, you're using people for your own personal gain or for your own personal pleasure mm-hmm. to get something that you want. Yeah, and and it's. It, it it's wrong. It's wrong. There's yeah. there's no other way to put that other than that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so we're not domineering. We're not shame. We're not trying to gain shamefully. Um, Peter is going to he he lays out these things right here, and then he switches. He kind of switches the task. Um, picking up in verse six, right here. Mm. He he's going to he's going to go and and six through eleven are are really a probably the most popular part of First Peter. You you probably as Michael was reading that you probably heard several things. You're like, oh, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Because this little section is now remember in the context that we're in, we're talking specifically about elders in the church. 
that doesn't mean it's not applicable to lay people in the church and to every Christian in general, but we're talking specifically about elders in the church in mm-hmm. this context. And so he, he says here, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, we've heard that a hundred times. Cast all your cares on God because he cares for you. You know, that's a... That's an inspirational poster if I've ever heard one in my life. Mm-hmm. But remember what he's what he's talking about here. He's talking about elders, and he's specifically encouraging and exhorting elders in this passage. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, elders, you're going to have a hard time too. This is going to be a tough road. You're going to have anxieties. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have hardships. Cast all of that to God, because he's the one who's supposed to be caring for you. And what that does is it frees you as an elder to turn back to your flock and continue to shepherd them in your calling, in the things that we just talked about. Yeah. The way he starts verse six, where he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, like he's reminding them to submit to God and his authority and Mm -hmm. whatever happens, entrust that you know, like you've said before, you know, the Lord gives, the Lord takes. Like, like whatever yeah. happens in my ministry, I'm gonna bless God because that is He's called me to this ministry. Yeah. Um. And, and you're right. You know, pastors and elders go through hardships, or they go through challenging times in ministry. They mm-hmm. go through things that the normal layperson may not know or realize or understand. Yeah. Um. And and Peter's reminding them cast your care on him because yeah. God does care for you. And, and and I think Peter reminding the elders of that is kind of puzzling here mm-hmm. because he's like, these are the, these are the people who are leading the flock Yeah, that are there. They are the ones that are ministering and say, God cares about you. God cares mm-hmm. for you. God, God knows. But it's also a good reminder that like, if you are pouring out to somebody else or you're pouring out and and serving someone else and and trying to share the love of Jesus. It's a good reminder that hey, God also cares about you and your struggle and your hardship yeah. and your whatever you're going through. So don't be so busy serving to don't be so busy serving other people and telling them how much God cares about them to think that God does not care about you. Yeah. Well, and and that that is a a good touchy subject for a lot of pastors is because mm-hmm. so many of them focus on the I've got to serve aspect of it that they forget about that they're they're still people who need to be served mm-hmm. you know and and as much as we've kind of kind of hammered on elders and leaders and pastors tonight you know I just I want to say an encouraging word to the church pray for and encourage your pastors because you don't know what they're going through. Yeah. You know, um, it, we've talked about it in, in previous episodes over this, over the last year coming out of 2020, but I mean, mask mandates, coronavirus, everything that encompassed 2020. And it looks like, I mean, at, at this, the time of this recording is the end of July. It looks like we might be walking into another time of exactly that. Mm-hmm. We don't know how, how different it's going to be and, and how ticked off the majority of Americans are going to be because they don't want to put on masks again, mm-hmm. you know, or, or they're or or they're on the, the side that says, no, I think everybody should always wear masks all the time. You know, whatever side you're on, it doesn't matter. But your pastor is doing the best that he can in this situation he's trying to make the best decision possible and so give him leeway give him a little benefit of the doubt don't if he says you know what we're not going to require masks okay if you want to wear a mask that's great that's funny that or not that's not funny uh that's fine Mm -hmm. but we're not going to require them um you know just because he's not going to require them doesn't mean he's in an anti-science you know terrible person who Pick your adjectives. Yeah. You know, and, and if he says, you know what, it, just in an over and abundance of caution, we are going to require masks. Doesn't mean he's a freedom hating commie Marxist liberal. Right. You know, that's. <laughs> and so r- remember to season everything with grace. Remember to season everything with mercy. 
uh, the amount of grace and mercy that you've been given, you should dole that out to the people who are around you. Yeah. How different would our churches look if we, like, like if instead of bashing our pastors, which I know there's a lot of bashing, like a lot of pastor bashing that goes on. I'm sure. There oh is. yeah. But like, how much? How different would churches look if if we had that mentality of he's doing the best that he can. Yeah. With the flock that God has given him. Like, yeah. like think about this. Like, if you think the pastor is is having a hard time shepherding the flock, maybe the flock is hard to shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're part of that flock, maybe that maybe you need to look at yourself and yeah. see how you can be a better member of the flock, be a better yeah. sheep. If if you think your shepherd needs to be better, then ask yourself, how can I be a better sheep? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 a two way street. Yep. You don't know everything about him and he doesn't know everything about you. Yeah. Don't make assumptions about him. And I can just about guarantee you that he's not making assumptions about you. Yep. Because I've never met a pastor who does. So, and I've met good pastors and bad pastors. Even the bad pastors don't. But, um, so, so he, he tells them, humble yourselves and, and cast your anxieties onto him. Yeah. And then, and then he gives a couple of kind of just the same things that he's talked about really throughout the whole book. Be sober minded, um, be watchful, be, be on guard. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that go back to chapter one and chapter two, uh, when he talks about, you know, be, be ready basically for, for anything that could be coming to you. He, he's giving you the same command again here, um, rest in God. And then I, I highlighted this a long time ago in my Bible, because I think, again, this attaches perfectly to the theology of suffering, but it's verse 10 and it starts off. And after you have suffered a little while. The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, mm. confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And and if that if that is not like the perfect summary of yeah. everything that Peter has said in all four chapters previous, five and a half, four and a half chapters mm-hmm. previous to these verses, that to me is like the the concluding period exclamation point you know stab in the gut that says yeah if you haven't gotten it yet dummy here it is one more time for you Mm -hmm. you know um he he just he puts it all on the line right there and he says everything that we've talked about your inheritance from chapter one your the way you should live your lifestyle in chapter two the relationships and the people that you're involved with in chapters three and chapters four uh, your church in chapter five, mm-hmm. all of that comes down to all of this, that he who called you um, is going to establish you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to restore you. That is going to happen. Now, Yeah, it may not happen in this lifetime, but guess what? There, after your sanctification, you're justified. Then you're sanctified. And after your sanctification is complete, mm-hmm. guess what? You're glorified. Yeah. That is the establishment that Peter is talking about. Yeah. The HGSB says personally, he will personally restore. Yeah. And that's like, that, that, to me, that just shows that God is intimately and deeply interested yeah. in every facet of our lives. Yeah. And he wants to be, or he, it's not just he wants to be, but he is ever present, ever knowing always there for us and all we have to do is call out to him so yeah yep so peter wraps it up with a with just an, a couple of notes you know he, he says that sylvanus um has written this letter for him which mm-hmm. was normal in that time and then he, gives he had a ghost writer he had a ghost writer <laughs> we we won't hashtag the sbc and and plagiarism gate right now oh, we'll, we'll talk about that later <laughs> that'll be another episode <laughs> that'll be another episode um we're still gonna let the dominoes fall on that one mm-hmm. um but he he ends with a just a typical you know closing greeting and and then the you know peace to you uh you know there's there's nothing there's nothing to read into that it's just right. he's telling you what happened so yep. um I but, like it. I like it when there's a nice bow at the end and there's not some yeah. random ending <laughs> like the book of Jonah. Like that's the biggest cliffhanger of all the, of all scripture. What happens? <laughs> Where's Jonah go? 
Where's second Jonah? We need to find second Jonah now. <laughs> I think there's a reason it's not there. Um, That's right. So there is uh there's a discussion. That's the end of first Peter. Wow. It's, we did uh, it. We did it. We made it all the way through <laughs> all five chapters. Uh, it only took us like four and a half, five months to do it. So maybe longer. <laughs> when did we did we start this when we when did we start this? I don't know. I'm gonna have to go back and look. I'm going. Sanders. Yeah, we did Habakkuk. First Peter was seventy four. Okay, so twenty No, no seventeen. Seventeen eighteen. Seventeen episodes. episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Eighteen right. episodes. So 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 we're done with First Peter now. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we spent 18 episodes. We spent 18 weeks going through mm-hmm. First Peter, and and it's been a it's been a fun. I, I've enjoyed First Peter, even yeah. going through it the second time. I enjoyed yeah. it the first time, but even more so the second yeah. time because I, I got to have beer with it this time. So yeah. you couldn't exactly <laughs> have beer with it when you're teaching your small group. No, no, but uh, no. I, I I've enjoyed the uh, the discussion. It's really my first deep dive into First Peter, so um, learned a lot and uh, hopefully remember some of it. That's right. We don't know what's going to come up next. We're going to talk about it later. Uh, but we'll have some a few episodes going, and then uh, we'll probably dive back into another book of the Bible here after we take a few episode break or something like that yeah. um, from, from Bible study. We'll talk about mm-hmm. some fun things. But, uh, Michael, if they want to find us on social media platforms, where would they find us? You can find and follow the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at beersandbible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beersandbiblep1. You can follow us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible podcast and look for our uh, logo there and follow us there. And then you can also email us. We are at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you if you have any questions about anything that we've discussed or any beer reviews that you would like to uh, see or hear featured on the podcast. We'd uh, love to hear those from you. And uh, who knows, we may give you a shout-out or uh, or tag you or, I don't know. Something. We'll do something. <laughs> we'll do something to commemorate the, the suggestion. So, uh, But we look forward to hearing from you, and we look forward to um, what the next few weeks hold for the podcast. There you go. So until next week, I hope your Bible stays open, your beer stays cold, and we will see you later. Peace out.